Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Lavender Gooms. Hey, guys. Uh, no kid presentable this week. Uh, gentleman has some family obligations. We should be joined by him next week. Um, this week on the show, we're going to talk about this Jessica I, uh, Cynthia Calvillo card. Um, where Dana White did his thing where he shit on everybody for saying, you guys thought this card was going to suck. Look how good it is. Uh, we'll talk about that for about the eight minutes it deserves. Um, then we'll talk about the fact that the UFC... Um, I'm not sure if we talked about where Fight Island is last week. Um, I think we speculated. You, you talked about Abu, Abu Dhabi. Well, being there. yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that because the UFC is booked about 50 fights. Um, and all the good fights... You're like, what happened to all the good fights? They're all happening in Abu Dhabi, apparently. Where the local temperature during the day is about 108 degrees. That was so, the most concerning part. Yeah. We've, we've done the song and dance before. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. But we'll talk about all these great fights and just some brief thoughts on where we what we think about them. Um, notably, the UFC 251 pay-per-view, which has three title fights. And because God hates us all, it'll be three five-round decisions. I'm calling it now. Um, we'll talk a little bit about this card this weekend, which um, is in Vegas. They're all in Vegas or Abu Dhabi, if I forgot to mention. Okay, <laughs> going forward. Uh, talk about Curtis Blades um, and Volkov in the main event. Talk about uh, our guy Bobby Green on the prelims. A couple other fights, pretty interesting. And then uh, a little stuff we like. Um, once I try to think about what I what I did this week, except uh, watch wrestling or some wrestling with Mike. Did we do that this week or was that last week, Mike? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, was there any wrestling? I know. I, know I watched. Uh, I watched the main event. Oh, yesterday, I, I did see that. I did, I did see Edge and Randy Orton, the hashtag greatest wrestling match of all time. Edge is back. I then, thought he was paralyzed. <laughs> nah, he got some neck surgery. He's chill now. <laughs> then, then he tore his tricep last night, though. So, Mark, they straight up advertised the wrestling match. This is a brief aside in advance as greatest wrestling match of all time. Mm, and then, well, you somehow. Well, I, I told I told Mike. I thought the logic was simply that. So when you Googled it, New Japan would stop coming up. Like so, Kenny Omega. So Kenny Omega's no, name is That's a lot of pressure to perform, man. That's like you go. That's like you're at the bar and you're hunting, and you just tell the lady, "Girl, you about to have the best night of your life." Ooh, that's yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah, no, I, that's that's a claim that you can never believe a promoter on. You believe that from the fans after the fact. That's why the five star matches make sense because the people watching well, are like, "Oh, this is the greatest." wrestling match ever not the promoter being like this is going to be great give me your money in advance you won't be disappointed well let's talk about some promoting right here because we had ufc yep. coming to you from the apex um in las vegas nevada uh lost wages if you're a dad and tell dad jokes um cynthia calvillo jessica i um not to pick on mike but we're sitting there watching this card and mike like maybe an hour before the main event goes Man, it'll be huge, you know, just a huge win. Or I'm not sure if you said shocking, but you definitely said huge win if uh, Cynthia Calvillo pulls this off against Jessica High. And I just said, I'm like, 
Man, those are some strong words. I don't believe I don't believe I said it would be shocking. Right. I do believe I said it would be a huge win for yeah. Cynthia Calvillo. And then it's like somewhere in the second round where you're like, oh, okay, Cynthia's, Cynthia's probably going to win this. Jessica, and you're like, is Jessica Ice takedown defense always this bad? And uh, Mark, is Jessica Ice takedown defense always this bad? <laughs> oh, I mean, that I, I'm not going to spite her off too much because yeah. Cynthia, she sold out to get those takedowns. Like she put maximum effort into getting those takedowns and they paid off. You know, she did a great job. A couple of the entries she had to, you know, try multiple attempts to, to finish the takedowns, but she got it and ultimately won the match. Uh, and going into this, we didn't pick uh, winners on this one uh, the week previous. And when I was watching it with Christine, she kind of asked me, like, oh, who do you think's going to who's going to win this? And I, I picked Cynthia. Probably with the same mindset that you did, Bobby, where I'm just, I've never been super impressed with Jessica. I, even with her climb to title contention and being the number one ranked, um, the skill set just never seems sharp enough to really command and deserve that spot in my eyes. Um, and she did good in that first round. You know, she, she dictated the pace. Um, she stood on the outside. That's where she's best at is standing on the outside, utilizing her straight punches, which seemed to be her best weapons. But she doesn't have the power. She doesn't have the technical ability to maintain the fight there. So once Cynthia, after the first round, said, like, okay, I need to go for takedowns and get top control, and she started securing those positions, um, she really showed why she was such a promising upstart when she first came in. I think a lot of the shine has been kind of worn off. couple poor performances, some weight. Lots uh, of missing weight. And I think that weight. was a lot of it, too. <laughs> so, you know, going up a division where hopefully the weight cut won't be an issue. She made weight. Jessica, I did not in this fight. Um, and she looked good. You know, uh, Jessica, I definitely I'm sure you guys noticed it, too, looked a lot bigger than Cynthia. But ultimately, that didn't seem to fat. And also, you know, you have to factor in she did not make weight um, technically by point two, Bobby. Right. Like she was just one. Yeah. Uh, says she was lying. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw that, too, <laughs> which I mean, you know, she basically says that her coach texted them before the fight saying that she was going to be like three and a half pounds over um, and then that she was only point two. And Cynthia pointed out, like, if you look at the tape when she's weighing in, I guess it's mandated. I'm not totally sure on this, but I mean, Cynthia said it and I, I would assume she would know better than me that like now if you do you no know, clothes, got to get the curtain up, you have to have your hands above the curtain. So you're not holding on to the towel, which we saw DC I was going to say, if this isn't called the Cormier rule, I would be offended if I was DC. <laughs> it should be. Um, <laughs> but didn't, didn't Korean Zombie, like, a month ago or a couple months ago, he came out with, like, oh, here's all the little tips that people use to cheat cutting weight. And that was one of them, was kind of to hold on the cap, the, uh, the towel to kind of negate the scale from getting your, your full mass. So, you know, it is what it is. Jessica didn't make weight. She lost the fight. You know, huge feather in the cap for Cynthia. I think, I think Mike is right. And that it is a big win, maybe not in you know me and Bobby's eyes. I think we both kind of thought Cynthia had the skill set to win here, but you have to remember Jessica I was ranked number one. Cynthia was the betting favorite by the time the fight started. Yeah, do, do you, Bobby, remember what she was ranked at in uh, her previous weight class? 13, 12, 11, some shit like that. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a big, I mean, you're fighting. Yeah, but I mean, it really tells you, I think, I mean, this, I don't want to poke, uh, yeah, pick on Jessica I, I know so much. Reading. I don't want to pick on Jessica I too much. What I really trying to, what we're really trying to say really was like, that division, the gap between one and two is the biggest gap I've ever seen in any weight class ever. Like, Mighty Mouse was better than a lot of these guys at 125 when he was champion, but Joseph Benavides was a goddamn killer. And so was Henry Cejudo. And there were killers. There aren't any killers in this weight class, man. Like, Joanne Calderwood, I don't know, maybe she gets lucky against Valentina. Because um, that's the word, lucky. 
I she is the most complete fighter in the weight class, and she's better pretty much everywhere than all of them. So like the gap between number one, the champion, and number two, I guess is Jessica I, um, is so vast. And now we're in a position, Mike, where if if Cynthia Calvillo got a title shot next, everybody would be like, "Yeah, man, okay." Like, yeah, we're at that <laughs> point in this division where it's really not so much. All right, who could actually challenge Shevchenko for this title? But just more like, all right, who's looked impressive? You know, fighting against the also Rands in this division, and who's thrown together two or three victories in a row? It's it's at that point with the 125 division, and it's, it's still relatively a new division. So, you know, let's give it some time. Do you think the fact that they got a champion that is as dominant as she is, where she's only got her only losses, and in, in, I'm not sure, definitely in the UFC, her only losses are to the greatest female fighter ever, and both of the fights were extremely close, talking about Nunes um, and Shevchenko. Do you think that hurts the fact that we would have, like, do you think we'd have more people at, like, 135 going down and 115 going up? If they didn't, you know, because Calvillo did it probably partly because she had to. She was missing weight. Yeah, also she, she like, missed weight a lot. But also, like, she's one, she won, she's either getting a title shot or she's one win away right now already off of one win in the weight class. So do you think, so like, what, what exactly was the question? So do you think, like, people are making, like, people who, do, like, are holding back from moving up or down because of how dominant the champion is? Because, or do you think they're just, you know, like, I mean, if we had, a, if we had the belt getting passed around a bunch. No, like if, Jessica, I think if, Jessica, that, if Jessica I was champion, for example, I think that fighters are notoriously, uh, you know, um, either if the word you want to use is self delusional or just very confident in their skills. Uh, unlike us, that we'd be like, hell no, I'm not going to fight Shevchenko. You crazy? He's a goddamn monster. You know, these fighters, they're thinking, no, I have a great skill set. I can go beat whoever. So maybe what they're thinking. I think what they're probably thinking, 115 and 135, is, all right, where do I have the best shot to win a title? If they think that they can beat Shevchenko, they would move to 125. So I don't think it's a fear thing that's keeping them from, from moving to 125. I just think that right now there aren't really a lot of women that are at 115 that they've moved up to 125 they wouldn't be anything but undersized and a lot of women that are 135 they they can't make that cut so i think there's just not a big pool at, at 125 very similar to 145 that's fair we'll have to see get build up a little bit more um maybe the ufc invest in it we'll see money uh, wait what invest ufc, UFC? Invest, yeah invest in it you know maybe attract some people you know but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe Joanne Calderwood has got the recipe because that's who's taking on Jessica on uh, Valentina next. Um, Marvin Vittori, Carl Robeson. I guess there was some heat, but Carl you don't showed, know the story about this shit. They started yelling at each other in the hotel. But do you know why? Because like I, I and Bobby, I didn't know this until I saw all the promotion for it. But like Carl Robbins, I guess they were, they were scheduled to fight before. Mm. Carl didn't make weight. And Marvin was like, whatever, let's still fight. And they're like, all right, we're still going to fight. And I guess the next day, medical staff or someone called the fight off. So Marvin was pissed because he's like, what you do? You didn't make weight. I agreed to the terms to fight and you still pulled out. What the F? And I guess they got in like a heated altercation mm. in the hotel room. This is all, I think, around the pandemic time. It might have been right before, too. So I guess they've been trying to reschedule it. Carl Robinson missed weight again. Bad. I mean, it's kind of a tro Yeah, he missed it. He missed Real it even bad. worse. And it's twice in a row with the same opponent. Um, so Marvin was, and I guess this time he wasn't as heated because I think he was just kind of over it. He's like, dude, I need to go in there and smash this dude. I need a and, paycheck. 
and, and, and you know, and, and, and step on. And, and Marvin did. You know, he looked pretty good in this fight. Uh, I think he is making a name name for himself because I actually he kind of came into my headspace when he fought Izzy. Yeah, because he fought Izzy, he went the decision, and he beat Izzy in that third round. Because Izzy was tired, and Marvin had enough steam to kind of out wrestle him in that round. So that's kind of a feather in his cap. And you know, he he utilized good wrestling and submissions here. You know, uh, Carl Robins- Robertson is a great kickboxer; he's very dangerous on his feet. Marvin's not shy there. They traded, but you know, eventually when he got him to the ground, he was just all over him and finished him fairly quickly. Yeah, in the first got, round. you got uh, three wins in a row for the man off of losing to Izzy. So, yeah. um, good call by me. You know, he's only 26 years old, too. So, we'll see. Um, I thought uh, I thought Andre Feely looked pretty good at uh, when he took on Charles Jordan. Much of the fight, Mike was rich happy about Charles Jordan's nickname. And uh, all that, you know, all the things surrounding Air Jordan. It, it, it wasn't that I was happy about it. Like I told you on, on Saturday... I was just five seconds behind with everything Jordan was doing because at first I thought Air Jord like when I said his name it was like Air Jordan that's a stupid nickname and then I realized oh it sounds like Air Jordan that's actually pretty clever. <laughs> he had some other shit too like f- wings or something tattooed. Or something. Oh, um, on the back of his neck, uh, I I I saw it and I realized that was the Japanese character for wind and I pointed that out to you like oh look he has a wind on the back of his neck. I'm like, oh shit, and his and his nickname is Air. Oh, I see what he did. This guy's got real commitment to the bit, Mark. Basically, he's real yeah, commitment I to the gimmick. Appreciate that. Um, Andre Feely's been in the UFC for a while now. I thought he looked pretty good. I didn't think it was a split situation. I thought he won it. Um, but it was a good fight. I don't. He's he's kind of inconsistent, but he's won three or four now. I don't know, man. It's kind of like he's like one of the only guys that team Alpha Male that didn't show up and like had some background or something. Like his background was. You know, wayward youth. That is, you know, he kind of just got his shit together, and became a fighter. You know, and, and not not to disparage him, but I think it kind of shows, especially with Alpha Male, he doesn't have that wrestling pedigree that we usually see out of that camp. And honestly, his fight style is kind of not like how a lot of the other guys in the camp. Fight. I mean, we we often joke like, what are those Alpha Male guys got? The big overhand right and guillotine chokes, but. Uh, this whole fight was like slinging shins. Both these guys just like throwing head kicks, you know, pretty much nonstop throughout the fight. And he did, he did good there. He he won the fight. This was another win, uh, like you said. When he put pressure, I thought when he was putting pressure on, he looked really good. That was when he looked best. I thought in the fight too. Yeah, and Jordan, you know, had some heat on him too because I think he just beat was it Duho? Didn't he beat Duho? I think you're right. I think that's who he beat. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he definitely had some heat on him, and this was a big win for Andre. Um. There was three fights that lasted about a minute, less than a minute each that started off this fight card. Um, and do you want to talk about those people, Mark? Besides, uh, before I go and before I shit on you, uh, shut on Dana White. <laughs> That's what I'm going uh, with. Not particularly. I mean, they were great. Uh, I like Tyson Nam. He looked fantastic. I didn't see the first one. Um, I actually did want to highlight someone on the main card. Did you guys get to see the first fight, the women flyweight fight with Maria? Oh, her last name. I'm not even going to try to tap. Uh, Agapova. Agapova. I don't think. Mike, did you see it? I didn't see it. I don't remember. Okay. Uh, th- that's a shame. Uh, I'm keeping my eye on her. She is freaking. Oh, wait. I saw this girl. She, she, was she, she had a great post fight interview, too. Her interview. She was all hyped in that post fight interview. She went from oh, I don't know if I, I don't she know. She was going from Kazakhstan, Mike. Oh, that chick! Oh, yeah. yeah, she was she was she was a beast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was super impressed. She's very tall, very lengthy. 
Um, her her striking looked mean and crisp, and when it went to the ground, she knew her P's and Q's there. So it's definitely someone that maybe out of this whole fight card, she kind of impressed me the most. Um, yeah, I, the card started out with a bang. You know, uh, the first three fights lasting all under a minute. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to remember like specifically like what I I did like uh, Julia Avila. I thought she looked fantastic. She won in 22 seconds, and and Tyson Nam. I feel like I'm getting him confused. Did he fight in Bellator? Is that the same Tyson? Yes. I think you're not. You're not confusing him with Nam fan, are you? I, no. That that one also comes across. But Tyson Nam, I think he. I'm almost positive he fought in Bellator. He did stuff, fight. Right? He did fight in Bellator. He's wasn't the one he in the champ. Didn't he have the belt for a sec? I think he. What he did was that he beat, beat the up. Champ. He beat up their champ overseas. Yeah, he beat up. Right. He smoked Dantes in a minute and a half. Right, and that was like in Shuto Brazil. What I think was weird is, I guess Tyson Nam is actually from like Hawaii, and I always thought he was Brazilian. Yeah, no, he's because like, they fought in Brazil, so they, I was just they, like, I just assumed they never brought him over to Bellator either. They just let him beat their champion, and then the I guy went to. He did, huh? Weird. Then he went. Then he went to World Series of Fighting, and Marlon Moraes yeah. kicked his ass. All right, fair enough. <laughs> that but Edward, World Series of Fighting tried to play that MMA math. They're like, see, our champion would fuck up the Bellator champion. Um, look, so um. I know, like, because I saw something Dana White said after the card where he was doing the thing he does where when a fight card they don't promote and put a bunch of no-name fighters on is exciting. He's like, he said, there are, he said the whole thing where he's saying, oh, people got to give these, you know, people assume, you know, the fights, people think the fight's going to be bad and it's great. And then he said, um, there's no such thing as bad fight cards. Fight fans watch all fights. Um, there's two parts to this. First of all, I saw the tweet where someone responded with saying, Pizza man says people should eat all people should eat all pizza. All right. That's basically what the argument is. Look, when we talk about a fight card not being good, um, and we do it a lot, and look, what we're saying isn't that like these fighters are not capable of putting on good performances, or there may not be or there might be, you know, like there may no, there might or maybe there will be a champion there. We don't know. We're not saying there won't be a champion there one day. What we're saying is the promotion in their abilities, has failed to make us care about these fights. That's what we're saying. They have done a poor job of promoting said fighters. And us just taking their word for it, which is what Dana White is suggesting, is basically what we would be doing. We would just be like, the only thing separating me looking at Christian Aguilera versus Anthony Ivey being on a UFC card versus it being on uh, Legacy Fights, all right? Is just like I like if I wasn't gonna pay attention to it on Legacy, what the UFC is asking us to do is just be like, take our word for it. We're the UFC. We're putting this fight on. You should watch it. And that's not how this shit works. Not when you're putting on 45 fight cards a year. Okay. When there was only two cards a month, like Mark and Mike know, we watched every fight. We watched all the prelims. We'd turn on the prelim. We'd miss like we like. I was like the joke Maybe about the this Facebook fight. But like Mark would, Mark comes and watches the pay per views at my house. And, like, Mark would show up and watch all the paper, all the fights. And then Mark, as we've noticed, as the cards have gotten thinner and thinner and, like, the number of cards has increased, when you show up, it gets later and later because they have not sold us on these fights, right? Like, it's yeah, not... I mean, and part of it, too, is just, like, it's just a big time commitment. Mm. It's, like, almost all of your Saturday when yeah. you're starting at 3 and ending at 10. That's, like, a that's a seven-hour, that's, like, a workday, almost, of committing a Saturday to watching fights. And, like you said, Bobby, you're absolutely right, like, and it, it's funny that you draw that comparison because if he's going to say that, then it's just like, okay, well, if I'm a fight fan, why am I not watching every MMA fight that happens anytime, regardless of me knowing who the participants are or not or being excited to see them? 
Well, so it's like, well, I don't have that kind of time. And sometimes I don't have that much time for your product, even though it's top tier. Uh, you know, I, I will say this, uh, the break, and we've talked about this so much, this pandemic break has made me a lot more. I've been watching all these fights. Yeah. Like I used to not watch the prelims because I don't know who the fighters are. I'm not emotionally invested. And I think you bring up a good point, Bobby, like the promotion is not promoting these fights enough to get us interested. I think that is kind of a tall task. I'm not necessarily always on UFC's YouTube page and looking up all their videos and trying to consume everything and can really say objectively like, Oh, are they trying at all to promote any of these people? Um, but it is hard just to reach the, you know, and I would say we're pretty hardcore fans, you know, we're keeping up with news and, and, and the like, but it, 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 it is a hard sell when you have this card where there's not a lot of people on it. And I mean, Dana is right in the aspect that like, yeah, sometimes a card doesn't look good and it's fantastic. But at the same time, he'll try to sell us a great pay-per-view card and it'll be a, a dud. You know, you just don't know, you know, and we never know when. But, you know, when we criticize a card, just like you said, Bobby, it's mostly just gauging our excitement for who we know is on the card, what we know they're capable of and who they're fighting against. And if that excites us or not. And if Dana wants to get his ban- uh, his panties in a bunch because we weren't excited for this particular card, then, I mean, whatever. It was a great card, you know, and, and he says that. And I think the first three fights being super fast was really cool. The The card overall, I thought, was was fine i thought it was entertaining but it wasn't like i'm not going to remember this card at the end of the year we already forgot we already forgot which fights we watched you're just like did you guys watch that fight and me and mike are like fuck i don't know maybe like it kind of just washes when there's so many fights it kind of just washes over you sometimes where i'm like i don't remember sometimes what like i used to be able to like tell you the main event of all these pay-per-views like i used to be able to go from like ufc like whenever quentin beat chuck around that time like 82, 78, okay? I could tell you the main event of, like, all those for a while. All the way to, like, UFC, like, 100 and, like, whatever. But then eventually, now I'm just like, I don't, I don't well, know. There's so many fight nights and Fox I used to be able to, like, I, used to, yeah, I can't tell you any of that shit. It's just. Yeah, but like, but like you said, you know, uh, back then it was maybe two cards a month. Dude, we watched, that. we watched, I mean, Mike and I lived together in law school. We would watch the UFC cards. We'd watch the Ultimate Fighter. We'd watch the Strike Force card, and then we'd watch One FC on Saturday mornings while eating our breakfast. All right, not yeah, not like the, all of it, or not One FC. The HD Net Legacy. What was the name of that promotion? Was was Legacy and no, no, not Legacy. The one with Shinya Aoki. Dream. Oh, Dream. Dream. There we yep. go, Mike. Yeah, we used to watch that shit. I remember watching when Shinya Shinya snapped that dude's arm like a twig. It was great. Now, <sighs> like, yeah, that was bad. Now, like, I mean, we give Bellator like a hard time because like Bellator. It's hard for them to do anything. Like UFC is just oversaturated the market, yeah. and it's just like these third party. It's so hard for them to break through. They they and, and that's why they need huge stars. That's why one FC needs like Eddie Alvarez and Mighty Mouse and stuff because like that's the only thing that's gonna because there's so much I can already consume from the UFC to want to dive outside of that is kind of insanity. So it has to be something special or something unique or intriguing to kind of to get our eyes because we're just oversaturated and. Like I said, I, I if there was one good thing to come out of the, the quarantine stuff, you know, that little break definitely revitalized my Dude, interest in the sport. I was so excited for that first pay-per-view with, like, uh, Gaethje and Ferg. By the time that thing happened, we were all, like, we were ready to fucking go. Like, that's how we used to feel about fight cards because there was time to get excited. Like, anyway, um, I know, like, we talk about this stuff a lot, but, like, I don't want it to be, like... I don't want it to be misconstrued as us just being like, oh, like, fuck these for like these like this is going to be trash for sure. What we're really complaining about is that they have not put names on these cards. Like, as you Mark said, it, this is a big commitment. 
And I know I'm not home most of the time anyway. Almost all the time, you know. But maybe it's easier. But like, yeah, it's an entire Saturday. And when it was one Saturday a month, that's one thing. When it's four Saturdays a month, decisions need to be made. You know, I'm a Warriors fan. I didn't watch all the Warrior games, you know. Decisions need to be made sometimes. There's other priorities in life. All right. Um, the UFC announced like 50 fights. Um, I'm just going to start saying them and you guys just go yay or no or just make some noise. All right. Dustin Poirier versus Dan Hooker is happening in, uh, on June 27th. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a That is, woo, that's a good one. Co-main event of Mickey Gall versus Platinum Mike Perry. I don't know why, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, I like that fight too. I think they have contrasting styles. And did you, I didn't, I'm so bad because I only read fucking headlines. But I saw some headline where it just said Mike Perry's girlfriend is his new manager i didn't see what the end of it Yo, was. Did, does he just love getting his women like involved in his fight career I, that's what i was thinking too it, Mike, I, thought like, it's, I thought it's the same girl the platinum no princess. that's a different girl no he they broke up she got kicked out of the corner and i don't know what this new girlfriend does but she's somehow involved in his career somewhere because i didn't read i just read the headline but it cut off when she's like he is his new cut off and i was like i'm gonna Man. get the manager because it can't be like you, mike, striking coach right mike perry hasn't doesn't have boring fights at all i like him for that um but he's got a lot of losses man like he showed up to the ufc uh seven and oh and now he's 13 and six he is seven and six so things are getting a little iffy for that man he got to get a win there and that's not an easy fight either um aspen lad sarah mcmahon I don't understand the point of that fight. This is all the same card, by the way, in the 27th. Well, when we pick it next week, I'll talk about this, but like, I don't get in a world where Amanda Nunes is struggling for contenders, you set up Aspen Ladd against Sarah McMahon. You right. know, with, with that, the fear of Ladd potentially losing, right? And he loses oh, contender because McMahon just doesn't have that momentum behind her, right? I think she won one or two didn't fights. She ever, didn't she, she have a kid? Didn't that happen too? Not, I know she had I don't know. She, I, think she had a, I know she at least had a bad okay, skin. Okay, so right? she came back from having the kid, and then she beat Lena Landsberg in January. I mean, I guess she lost to Ronda but a long why, time ago. Why are you assuming that she that Aspen Ladd is going to lose to McMahon? Like, I'm McMahon not. McMahon hasn't been a world beater. It's a it's a type of fight also where I, like even if Aspen Ladd's going to win, it's hard for her to look good doing it. You know, they, they don't need to her good. to look good, man. They just need her to win. They just need a body at this point. Yes. I don't like that for my girl Aspen. Um, I know you love her Instagram account. She has lovely dogs. It's a great Instagram. Get your minds out of the gutter, people. Yeah, exactly. Um, this pay per view, this pay per view on July twelfth, which there's going to be a two week gap here, Mark, which gives us ample time to get excited for this. Um, I don't necessarily agree with what's the main event here, but just listen to this card. Main event: Kamara Usman, Gilbert Burns for the welterweight championship. Not Leon Edwards, probably because Leon Edwards can't necessarily fly anywhere comfortably. Um, and not Jorge Masvidal because he's decided he would like to get paid reasonably. Uh, co-main event, Alexander uh, Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway. Um, third title fight for the vacant bantamweight championship of the world. Um, Peter Jan, Jose Aldo. You got it. Sorry. My T-Mobile went down earlier today and I'm just getting all the text messages I should have gotten seven hours ago. Um... Jessica and draws Rose Nama Yunus. We're going to run this one back. And I'm going to pick a girl to win who got powerbombed in the first fight. So that's going to be interesting. But who was winning the fight up until she got powerbombed. Yeah, man. But that's a lot. Like, you were winning before you got knocked unconscious. It's always a rough, you know, it's always a rough, you know, thing to explain. You know, it's a tough needle to thread. Amanda Rivas, Paige Van Zandt. 
is on the main card. I surprised Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz isn't on the main card, but that is a sick fight too. And has Frankie been fighting a bantamweight, or does he just get there, or where are we with Frankie and bantamweight? I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, me he... neither. Um, Vulcan Ozdemir's on this card. Makwan Amerkani's on this card. This thing's deep, man. This is what a pay-per-view looks like. Though, three title fights. And I'm just saying, Kamaro going to decision. Volkanovski and Holloway already went to decision once. I've seen Jose Aldo go to decision many times. Mike's gonna no, have to take some. Mike's gonna have to drink some coffee before. This considering one. uh, considering they've ha- they're having champs that are you know retiring and also having champs that don't want to fight for them. I don't know why they're packing one card with three title fights. That because seems they need people to pay for reckless. this. Well, we know they don't have any planning. You know, um, that's a deep card, Marcus. It's a really deep card. Yeah, I mean. Anytime you have three title fights, I think that is pay-per-view worthy. Um, I mean, I will say, you know, some of these title fights don't, like you said, Gilbert Burns is not undeserving. He just beat Woodley. But there's there's some other fights out there that are a little more, I mean, obviously, I think the Mouse of it all fight is the most intriguing one. Um, and then I think Edwards um, and Burns are kind of like neck and neck, but neither of those are super compelling. I think the uh, Alexander and Max Holloway fight makes sense, but still, like, we just saw it and. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you're feeling. We'll obviously talk about when we get closer to it. But like, I don't, I don't know if Max is going to make those adjustments to really change what. Because I mean, it took him four rounds to figure out what Alex was even doing. It felt like, to be honest. I mean, yeah, That's I, what I thought mostly in the back of my head, it just like that fight just seemed completely dominated by um, Alexander. So it's hard to think otherwise. Um, and then the Aldo thing is like, I, I'm cool with seeing Aldo here because he looked so good at bantamweight last time, even though he lost, but he did lose his one bantamweight fight. It's just, it doesn't really look, make sense. Look, Aldo getting... Sterling needs to get in shape because that's his <laughs> title shot. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, th- those are the things deterring me like that, that make it, it could have, I think it could have been more. I think if you slot some different fighters in here, it could have been, if you have Usman versus Masvidal, I think the featherweight one just makes sense. I don't think there's anyone else really vying for it. But no, it just, zombie, it's, zombie is the clear number one contender. Yeah, I, that that would and, and he Zombie's been talking shit for months. And it's not Alex. like, and I'm still somewhat intrigued, but it just being a rematch that we just saw and it being such a dominant performance makes it a little eh. And then Jose Aldo losing his fight. But then, like you said, the undercard here is really fantastic. And overall, it's just, it is a really good uh, pay-per-view card. Um it just kind of sucks that you can slot some different, maybe even potentially more deserving fighters in some of these slots, and it becomes an even more compelling card. Um, and it kind of sucks that we know that contract disputes are kind of the reason why we're not seeing Masvidal here. But you know, given what we got, and that's you know that's what we have to judge it off. It is a fantastic card. It is completely worthy of pay per view. Um, and <laughs> I don't know if it's worthy of. I don't know about you guys. I never got on like this fight island hype train that everyone is just like fight island it's so fucking cool man let's get fucking t-shirts and it's i gotta know that's like, because you have three brain cells mark i mean maybe but it's well, like more DC's than three getting, i'm sorry DC's more getting, than they're all getting excited i was like whatever dude you guys fought on islands you've been to abu dhabi before it's like okay wasn't but, that you know, where the, uh, uh, the silva uh, maya main event was i know yeah, that was terrible that was the first Abu Dhabi one. I mean, it, 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 it's a, it's a little kitschy I mean, they, thing. They, they sold it as some Kumite shit, man. You said it yourself. Yeah, That's but it's just like it never. I never. It just. Well, now, now, now the fighters want money, and all of a sudden the fight islands like, oh, we didn't. We're yeah, not really that expensive. Yeah. We're renting this island. We didn't buy think, the island. I think Fight Island would have been a lot cooler, not if it was in you know Abu Dhabi, but if it, if it was straight up like 
on some remote fucking coast, like like sixty miles away from civilization, and like they gotta like beat the natives back with like sticks and you know and guns and build the octagon and like yeah, some my, if, shit. If the octagon was like on the beach, and we were getting the island aesthetic. Then I'd be like, okay, that's how they of- sold it. They were going to put it on the beach is what they said. Yeah, but they literally sold built- t-shirts saying that. But they just <laughs> built an arena for it. So it's just going to look like every other empty arena Dude, at the end of the day. So it's just like, all right, I just whatever. want to point out right now, it is 6 a.m. on Yaz on Yaz Island. It is 90 degrees. And that's to be concerning. I I think there is legitimate it is seven, concern. It is 7 p.m. right now on the West Coast. This is when a pay-per-view will start. 90, 90 degrees when the pay-per-view starts. So when I get going to talk about this. or Celsius. Well, if it was Celsius, they'd be fucking on fire, right? Am I insane? <laughs> Just ignore that. Um, they're fighting on a Wednesday, three days after that pay-per-view, for some reason. Carlos Barza and Marian, Marina Rodriguez. Why? This card, we're all going to forget, is existing. Um, though on July 18th, which might be a Friday? That is know. a Saturday. That is a Saturday. Okay. Um, the flyweight championship of the world is being defended on free TV. Um, they're going to run it back, brother. This time, maybe the guy will make weight. Davison Figueredo, Joseph Benavidez. I'm just going to keep winning, picking Joseph Benavidez to win a title. He's never going to win. Um, co-main event, dancing Jack Hermanson versus Kelvin Gastelum. Um, that's a good fight. That's a really good fight. Um... Mark Diacasey's on the card. Arian Lipsky's on this card. Uh, some decent people. Um, that's also on Fight Island. Um, also coming up in the month of July is uh, Robert Whitaker, Darren Till. That might be cool. the best fight they've announced on any of these cards. Straight up, in terms of a matchup. Co-main event, um, Shogun Hua versus Rogerio, Ro- no, uh, no, Rogerio uh, Noguera. Which oh, a fight three I, or four or five? I don't, I don't know. know. I, remember, I remember when I told you how much I wanted the UFC to book this rematch, and it took them about twelve years, and now everybody's a hundred years old. Yeah, uh, at this point, it's like we're, we're cool. Also on that card, Alexander Gustafson making his heavyweight debut against Fabricio Verdum. Okay, didn't know about that twist. Um, yeah, um, this is all in July, man. July is gonna be wild. Um, well, I'll tell you, Google is not up to date on this shit because it goes from July 11th to August 1st. So everything you spouted off was fucking news to me. Uh, main event on August 1st is Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. That's another matchup where I don't think when you, uh, you know Aldana should be fighting Holly Holm. Maybe Holly Holm fights Sarah McMahon. Huh? How about do that instead? And, you know, let these other girls get a shot. And then the next pay-per-view um, st- signed this past week. On August 15th, um, Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic 3. Daniel Cormier's alleged retirement fight. Um, we'll see, man. That one, um, we kind of feel Stipe might have figured out the secret to cheat code there. I really which is, do. Which is called, <laughs> wait until DC's a little tired and keep punching him in the stomach because he's not doing anything. <laughs> the, the game plan is like, yo, hit dude in his biggest target, his big gut. It's just like, not only is it like blatantly obvious now, but like in that in that last fight, once Stipe landed the first liver shot and it was like, oh, that's that's the game plan now, like he had no problem just landing that at will throughout there. So, I mean, it's really going to be up to DC. He's going to have to change something major. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. I think he's going to have to be, like, shooting from the outside, really try to try in a wrestling game. I think it's going to be tough with Stipe. Uh, he's, I think he's got to get either really close or get really far back. 
No, that's kind of, I mean, he, really close is kind of really what he far back. Doesn't make any sense for DC. No, I mean, still, like a, so much shorter than Stipe. That's true. I think he's faster than Stipe. I think so. Too. I mean, the first fight was shit. he was winning the second fight, too. <laughs> and, and, and all that fight was him getting right in his fucking face and sitting in the pocket and just trading with them. And he did well until Stipe changed the target and found like, oh, I can't miss here. <laughs> this, he literally hit him with like 11 liver shots in a row. I, I'm actually shocked DC survived as long as he did in that round because those were brutal. But uh, by the way, it, both, of those, both of those fights were good. I was at the they first were. one. It was a pretty great. Um, it was fast, but exciting. Yeah. And Brock came out of that one and then started calling out the world. And then they never gave us Brock versus DC. Yeah. I was going to say, Brock's got no belts right now. If DC wins this fight somehow, and then he calls out Brock Lesnar, I'm good with it. They might this have is- to, because all their fucking stars are leaving. So Yeah. He's going to call out, John Jones, I run this bracket too, son. <laughs> um, God, that'd be fun. <laughs> all right. Um, this card this weekend. We're not making picks, but there's some stuff on it, man. Curtis Blades, Alexander Volkov. Um, they promoted it saying some of the dumbest shit ever. Like, I love Michael Bisping. You all know this. But Michael Bisping on strategy on Saturday is like, this is the classic striker versus wrestler battle. However, Curtis Blades is also a good striker. And I'm like... I did catch that. But I'm just like, well, that's that's not a classic striker versus it, grappler. That I is- mean, it, it kind of shows you that a lot of these promotional videos are not written. They're just improvised. And sometimes you can stutter over yourself like we do every week. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is a commercial. Maybe take a second to stab at that one. Yeah, I was like, Mike, Mike, that's not great. You could have done better than that. Um, we got Curtis Blades on a three-fight win streak, his last loss being to Francis Ngannou, which I feel Curtis Blades fights a lot. He does. Uh, he's really active. Um, he's got two losses. They're both to Francis Ngannou. So he should that's avoid right. him in the future. Got knocked out both times. Well, first time it was by Dr. Stoppage. Second time he got knocked out. Three straight wins for him. Alexander Volkov. Um, since getting knocked out by Derek Lewis like two years ago, where Derek Lewis gave his famous "My balls was hot" speech, um, he beat up Greg Hardy in Moscow. Took him three full rounds to do it. Um, I think this is Curtis Blades' fight to lose. Honestly, Mark, I don't, you know, I don't know what the betting odds are, but I would confidently pick Curtis Blades at this point to win yeah, fights I, that aren't against Francis Ngannou. <laughs> I'm gonna assume that the line's pretty close because I think stylistically it's, a, nope. it's gonna be tough. No? It's a massive favorite for Curtis Blades. Hmm. Huge. Minus 400 favorite. I mean, well, when yeah. his only loss is saying Ganu. Makes sense. I think that has to be playing into it. I mean, you look at Alexander's record, and it's not quite as sparkling, but it's a lot of fights. It's, you know, 31-7 is not bad. Um, and he's technically extremely proficient on his feet. Um, but, yeah, I have to imagine, you know, if Curtis Blades is going to have success, he's going to do it the same way he's always done. He's going to implement his wrestling, get on, get on top, and, and do work there. But I think it's com- a compelling fight. Um yeah, and God, it is weird. Blades is in an interesting position where he can't really get that title shot if Ninganu's always out there, and every time they fight, he knocks him out. Um, that's a weird roadblock to have to kind of a- a- attest to. But well, yeah, because Ninganu's any minute now from getting another title shot. It seems like we know, all he's... think he's destined for the championship, but you know, well, sometimes... he wants he wants he wants money too. It appears to be a problem. Oh, well. there you go. <laughs> Curtis uh, Blades seems to have people no wanting to get paid. Like, what dickheads? Exactly. Um, we got uh, Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos. It's a close betting line. Burgos is a uh, minus 135 for it. That's another good matchup. Burgos' fights are uh, very entertaining. 
And Josh Emmett, man, people count him out, and then he pulls out these fucking great knockouts. But Shane Burgos out of the Bronx, um, 29 years old, 13 and one. His only loss is to Calvin Qatar. That's you know no shame in losing to Carter to Calvin Qatar either. Wins over Mac One Armor, Connie, Cub Swanson, Kurt Holloborough, Godfredo Pepe, Charles Rosa. Kid's good. So uh, he gets past Josh Emmett. I mean, Josh Emmett's ranked, too, I think. I have to assume. I mean, he wins enough that, like, he's... Uh, you got to think this is a decent step up in competition for the kid. Uh, Josh Emmett is ranked number eight. And this is Shane Burgos' is number ten. So you got to get yourself a top five opponent after this if he gets this one done. I think so. Raquel Pennington, Marion Renault. Mike, we just support Raquel Pennington. Fight yes, may be good, do. my page be bad, but we like Raquel Pennington. She is a class A person. Exactly. Lyman Good and Bilal Muhammad in the battle for New York. Um okay, Bilal Muhammad's from Chicago. Never mind. <laughs> I take it back. The battle of deep dish versus New York style pizza. Pizzas. Pizzas no, I think you mean you mean the battle between pizza and whatever they serve in Chicago. Well, it, it were the hot dogs. They both got hot dogs, right? Yeah, yeah lasagna. The battle between pizza and a lasagna, where the marinara sauce is on top of the cheese. Look, you can call it whatever you want. It tastes good too. All right. People in New York get real sensitive with the pizza thing. If we if we just call it something else, will it make you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> it's like we have a friend who was complaining about this pizza, and I just said, let's just call it flatbread, huh? What no, do you no, think? No, he, they, that he's he's just a pizza snob. Yeah. All right. Um. He gave, a, he, gave a, he gave us shit because we said that pineapple on the pizza is good. By the way, if you're in the Chicago area, the official recommendation of It's M Amazing Radio is Pequod's deep dish pizza. It's very good. Um, and then uh, Jim Miller taking on a guy named Roosevelt Roberts at 160 pounds. Clay Guida versus Bobby Green. Um, we got Courtney Casey under the card. We got Frank Camacho under the card. We got our girl Roxanne Monteferi taking on Lauren Murphy. Uh, this thing's deep, man. Yeah, a lot Torres of Torres is on there too. Who, Tisha Torres? Yeah, yeah, Tisha wow. Torres on the prelims. On there too, on the prelims. This is not bad. Yeah, um, our girl Roxanne's on the card. Yep, yep. Uh, the WWE, by the way, has fans going to some of their shows now and having them sign waivers, which is the most Florida thing that's ever fucking happened. By the way. Just want to point that out. <laughs> so let's see if the UFC gets on board with this plan eventually. Um, no, I, not bad. Dana, Dana did say that he's not doing half stadiums. He's like, look, we're, we're doing full stadiums. Everyone gets sick or nothing at all. That that also seems to be the case moving forward with a lot of places. Um, it's not just Florida. I saw that. I think some of the uh, the colleges that are starting to gear up now for, uh, I guess, summer football or whatever. They're having those students uh, sign waivers as well. And uh, our president also for uh, the rally that's going to happen, yeah. I think, next week in Oklahoma, he is having uh, potential ralliers sign waivers as well that they won't hold the Trump for president campaign liable if they catch corona. Guys, like, let's just wait. Everybody, we can make it. Just don't go to these things. Oh, we're, we're, we're going to get to my uh, our stuff we like, and it is going to refer to Nimrod. Well, I'm just going to say Corona. this. If you want to go to that Trump rally, you take the risk, all right? <laughs> take that risk. Shake some hands. Why don't you kiss some babies, too? Cause, just uh, lick people on their cheeks. You know, you know they cleaned all those freaking. handrails. They might as well lick them up. All right. Um, let's do uh, stuff we like. Um, but first off, Mike, I just found something I like quite a bit. 
Um, some breaking news to the podcast. Mike Perry is a bum.com. That All is a website. Word. Huh? All one word. All one word. Mike Perry is a bum.com. If you're old and need to be told not to put spaces in your URL, Mike just confirmed that for you. Mike Perry is a bum.com is a website that exists. Um, and it is created <laughs> and owned <laughs> from what I can tell by Darren Till. Which I'm not the biggest Darren Till fan in the world, but this is fucking art. It it, it looks like it has on there our partners um, four pictures there, and it looks like they've superimposed uh, Darren Till's face on uh, Dana White, Angela Hill. I think that's Mighty Mouse, maybe. Those ears look like Mighty Mouse. The last one almost looks like uh, Goldberg. <laughs> I thought that's Yoel. Yeah, it could be. That makes sense. Yeah, it is. It's the best. There's nothing on the page outside of just four pictures of Darren. Mike Perry, and Mike Perry is a bum. It's, it's Mike Perry. Well, it's four pictures. Mike Perry with his nose getting busted. Mike Perry getting armbarred. Mike Perry getting punched in the face there. And the last one here is... Mike Perry getting kneed in the Mike face. Mike Perry getting kneed in the face. I Look, Darren Till, man. If we had gave out an award for best promotional tactic or best work of trolling, we fucking you you get it. Your first ballot Hall of Famer, man. <laughs> My man bought a domain on GoDaddy. Used their own. We used a website builder. Copyright twenty twenty. Mike Perry is a bum. All rights reserved. So I, I'm mostly sometimes simplicity is best. This looks better than our website. <laughs> I'm just mostly surprised that he had the passion. <laughs> like this is obviously something like he had to take time out of his. Yeah, it took me his... four tries to come up with our shitty blogger website, and I get frustrated more and more. Well done, Darren Till. All right, actual stuff we like. Marcus, some video game news this week. Yeah, um, I actually have a lot of stuff this week, so I'm gonna try to run through it fairly quickly. Um, last week I did mention uh, PlayStation was having its big PS5 reveal, um, which happened last Thursday. I personally really enjoyed the event. I think they showed off a lot of really interesting, intriguing software to kind of get us excited for the next generation. Um, and it, maybe most surprisingly or most you know talked about, they also revealed what the console looks like. Um, and it, it's interesting. It has garnered a lot of opinions online. And I think there, there's some first. I mean, there's obviously people that think it looks atrocious and very ugly and don't want to put it on their TV stand. There's other people that thinks it looks unique and futuristic, and I think that's ultimately what they were trying to go for. I, I, they based, Someone at Sony, I can't remember who it was, basically said that they're going for a 2020-looking console, something that looked futuristic and different, and I'll give them that. It definitely sets a statement. <laughs> and uh, I think the, the comment that I, I liked the most was from Ian Hink from Easy Allies that said it's the first console with a labia. Uh, which I thought was very humorous, uh, but also somewhat accurate to how it looks like. Um, overall, I, I've, you know, if you listen to me rant about video games, I, I've been a big uh, Sony fan. I really like the stuff their first party produces. I love the software that they've put on all of the generations of uh, console they've done. I am excited for the PS5. I think the console looks interesting. I'm interested to see how it's going to actually fit in my TV cabinet, if it can at all, um, and actually feel like this controller with the haptic controls. Um, but even outside of the uh, PS5 event, there was also more stuff going on over the weekend. There was the Guerrilla Collective, which was a bunch of indie developers showing their games. There's also the PC Gaming Show, which every year has just gotten better and better. And this was easily the best year they've had, not just on the quality of their announcements and what they showed, but also just running the show, 
being humorous, landing jokes, it just being a fun thing to watch for a couple hours. I think they really nailed it out of the park. Um, and there's more to come uh, throughout the next coming weeks and, and honestly months. There's going to be smaller little events showcasing stuff. Um, basically in the lapse of E3, which didn't happen this year because of COVID. And honestly, leading up to it was seeming very shaky. The ESA who runs it has done a horrible job this past year trying to rectify huge mistakes they made about leaking information from the press, leaking uh, promotional basically like PowerPoints talking about how they were trying to revitalize E3 and make it more of a streamer event and making people have the, uh, what's that stupid abbreviation when you, the fear of missing out. What's that crap called? FOMO. FOMO and all that kind of crap. So it was already looking kind of rough in person. I think kind of COVID kind of saved it from having an embarrassing show, but so far doing these independent shows has seemed to be working. You know, it's getting the message out there. People are still watching. It's still exciting to watch this stuff. Um, and like I said, there's still more to come. Uh, they're going to show Cyberpunk and Avengers in, in the coming weeks. So that's really exciting. Outside of video game, which there's been a ton of stuff to get excited about, um, I have also started and completed watching uh, Fleabag. I don't know. I don't think any of you guys have started watching that one yet, if I'm mistaken. Uh, oh, heard but, good things, though. Yeah, it, as have I. And I think the the recommendation that kind of put me over the top um, I guess Donald Glover was at like the Golden Globes or some, it might have been like the British Awards or something. And he was basically talking about the woman who wrote Phoebe and stars in Kate it. something. Something like Weber. Phoebe Kate is, Waldorf? Phoebe Kate? Something Phoebe, like that. Phoebe something. Well, Phoebe I think something. I saw this clip where he just talked about how fucking great she is. Yeah. I mean, he basically said, like, his manager said, like, oh, man, you got to watch this Fleabag show. It's fucking awesome. And he was like, do you know, I make TV shows too, motherfucker. Like, don't tell me this other shit's good. And then he said he watched it and he, like, binged it, um, which is more or less, you know, what me and Christine did. I, I really like the show. It is. I think if you liked watching The Office and one of your favorite parts was Jim looking at the camera, Oh boy, are you going to get your fucking fill in this one? This this show is a lot about breaking the fourth wall and having that kind of narrative voice just talk to you directly about what's going on in any given scene. It is really funny. It is really interesting. Um, it, it is a Prime show. I know a lot of people have Amazon Prime. Um, and I haven't personally watched a ton of Prime video stuff, but the few things I watch, like The Boys and this, the production value is there. The quality is absolutely there. So, you know... If you're kind of interested in kind of a dark comedy, I think it's fantastic. I definitely recommend it. Um, I think that's all I got this week. All right. Um, I'm going to go. Um, I got one that's – I'm not sure lighthearted is a word. Um, but they're both related to racial injustice. So maybe not that either is not lighthearted. I'm both lighthearted. Yeah. The thing you so uh, a couple weeks ago, um, this professional wrestler named Jackson Riker who um, – Mark, I'm not sure if you're going to remember, he was part of that group in NXT, the Forgotten Sons. That oh, okay. Okay. Um, their gimmick is kind of like their former military people that have been forgotten when they came back to the U.S. And people are like, is there some sort of weird MAGA slant to this? And the answer's been not really. Um, they got to the main roster of WWE, and they were like apparently set to be feuding with the New Day, which seems really even more questionable when I'm about to tell you what I told you. Huh? Well, Bad um, Mr. Riker, um, he went on the internet a couple weeks ago in the middle of um, this great national fucking moment we're having about racial injustice and the police whooping the asses of people who aren't white um, and said, thankful for the POTUS we have. God bless America. 
and then also wrote he shoved his stupid uh his, he shoved his stupid catchphrase built of freedom forgotten no more in there too and everybody got angry um kevin owens became even more the darling of the internet and his fellow wrestlers when he said, the freedom you speak of entitles you to speak your mind all you want. I'm not here to argue that. I just I just really need to tell you that I think you pushing your shitty wrestling catchphrase as all of this is happening is absolutely fucking pathetic. Um, so that happened. And then, you know, today I read Forgotten Sons pulled from TV feud with New Day scrapped, which um, his tag team partners took the time to say, hey man, Black Lives Matter, we believe in that, we play characters on TV. But this moron just ruined the career of two of himself, of his own, and two other people. So, I guess that, I guess him ruining his career was something I liked, less so the rest of it. Um, really what I wanted to talk about is 846. Um, the Chappelle special. Um, Mike, do you watch it? Yes, I did. Um, Mark, did you see it? I haven't. Um, I've heard about it. I heard it's not so much like a stand-up routine as much as him just like... It's a fucking sermon. (laughs) It's like a fucking sermon um, by Dave Chappelle. Um, Dave Chappelle... uh, If if you guys didn't see this somehow, um, or at least didn't hear about it, it's great. It's 846 being the amount of time that uh, Officer Derek Chauvin Chauvin, had his knee on George Floyd's neck, neck before he killed the man. Um, or murder the man would be the correct word. Um, Chappelle's Chappelle is in his hometown or wherever he lives in the middle of Ohio. Everybody's got masks on. It's an outdoor thing. He's talking for about it's like a half an hour thing. Netflix put out, but it's not really on Netflix. It's on their YouTube channel. Yeah, it, it's on the Netflix as a joke, which I never really got. I, I think that's like their comedy yeah. branch on YouTube. It's mostly like, just clips from their stand-up specials normally. Yeah, yeah. And this was the whole thing though. Um. It's really good. It's just like Chappelle has always had a good way and a unique perspective on the world as a whole. And it's not to say the man isn't flawed and he says the wrong thing sometimes and yada yada yada. Um, he's, he's always even gotten some. He's even gotten some flack for uh, for this special. Yeah, from uh, the transgender and LGBT community. I don't even know what he said in this one about that. Uh, it's the lack of what he said. Um, I've seen people write that um, one of the prominent people that's been killed by police recently, um, which he named, I think, a lot of them in um, in the special. He didn't mention Breonna Taylor. I mean, and, um, I, and I think also they're getting at him for not really mentioning anything on uh, trans and LGBT. He's stuff. not. The, he's not running for fucking president. Okay, yeah. it's one man's perspective, and again. Man's not perfect. He said some stuff that pisses people off. I just want to say firstly with Chappelle, I appreciate that Chappelle does not care when he gets brought up, when someone comes at him, like when there's like a website saying he did this or that, or like he gets criticism at all. He literally ignores it. He There's no statement from a publicist. I don't know if Chappelle has a publicist. Chappelle just puts out uh, specials. That's it. Um, and that's what he did this time. He put out a stand-up special. I thought he was stand-up. It's true. He kind of, you can tell it's a lot of stream of consciousness. There's jokes in there too. But it's a man who like, you know, he's not an idiot. He's the son of two new two university professors. And he's a man who grew up in like DC and also in poor white neighborhoods. He's got an interesting perspective. 
And he's been talking about this shit for years, man. What was uh, Marcus the famous um, sprinkle a little bit of crack on him? No, I, I thought it was just that when he he does like the white port person voice yeah. and he's like, Julie, have you read this? I guess they're beating black people like pancake. I can't remember what the what the joke. Yeah, or what I know the that's what like is like. Sorry, officer, I did not know I couldn't do that. No, I mean that was great. Well, hey, he, like he went after a lot of people. He talked about like I'm like the guy on CNN was like, why aren't celebrities saying more stuff? And Don uh, Chappelle quoted himself. He's like, does anybody give a shit what Jaw Rule thinks right now? Which is me making a point, man. He's like, there's he says what's happening can happen without the voices of celebrities. It's hard to describe what exactly this was, Mike. I mean, I'm doing a poor job here, but uh, you definitely can't call like we're calling it a comedy special. But like you said, this was more a stream of consciousness, consciousness with him. Things he wanted to get off his chest. It's, um, it's like a he threw like two jokes in there, but it, it wasn't meant to be like a comedy special. Um, I honestly just think that he wanted to get on stage and get some of his thoughts out. And it's like when John Stewart would just look at the camera and go on a, like a ten minute rant about something. It was like that. yes, that's that, the that, best comparison. I, I was trying to best. I was trying to find the best way to describe it, but I think that hits it right on the. It's right just like a political, uh, topical monologue that goes on for about half an hour, and it's. I really liked it, man. It was nice. Like as much as I don't care what Jaw Rule thinks in a time like this, someone putting it out, someone you could feel his emotion the whole time. It was like he was trying to give you his answers of like what the right way this and why he's just it's his own. He's never speaking for anybody else ever. You know, he's never trying to come. He's never even trying to convince you that his opinion's right. He's just saying his opinion. That's what I've always appreciated about Chappelle. Like this is his point of view, right or wrong. And it was interesting. I don't know. I think it's really worth checking out. I thought it was um, extremely well done. I, um, I thought it was very poignant right at the beginning when. He's talking about, and at first you're, th you're thinking, why is he talking about this? When he's talking about the first earthquake that he encountered when he was living in Los, in a, I think in probably Los Angeles. Yeah, it was, a, a, was the, it was the Northridge earthquake. The big sure. One. That means, that means nothing. Well, me. for the, for the LA heads out there, y'all remember Northridge? It was rough. All <laughs> <laughs> right. It was, it's, it was a rough night for those folks, man. I want to be like, I want Mike to be like, like you know, 9-11. Dude, it was a bad, earthquake. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bad earthquake. Um, Very different. From my, my but uh, but I, I, I guess that for that being your first earthquake, that has to be some crazy shit. Because I know the first earthquake I encountered, it was a little bullshit. And I think I almost shit my pants. But, you know, Chappelle is talking about it. And he's talking about how scared he is and how the earthquake seems to go on forever. And he talked about how at the end of it, it only went on for maybe 30 seconds and how he felt that was an eternity that he thought he was going to die. And then he pivots to this man had his neck on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. George Floyd didn't think he was going to die. He knew he was going to die uh, for eight and, goddamn minutes or as much of it. He was conscious. And that that was uh that that part hit me really hard um and it was right at the beginning of of, of the 40 45 minute special or so yeah um just you know not to get on our soapbox but i appreciate that the last month has been the police confirming at, uh pretty much everything everybody's saying about them so people out here protesting police brutality and police were like 
<laughs> let me show you brutality. And uh, a lot of that's been happening. So, and, uh, Have you guys heard about the... Because I thought it was interesting. I didn't hear about this concept until somewhat recently. The the propaganda copa, they call it. Remember when the when the all the protests first started, and we would see these pictures of the cops kneeling, right? Like they'd be holding oh, yeah. the line, but like, oh, we're we're with you on this one. And then and then later that night, they're beating up the protesters, right? And it's just like yeah, that, that that that's nothing new. Mark. No, that, that, that that's that, been a, that's 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 a tale as old as time. That's been the I uh, never heard right. of cop propaganda well here's uh, the thing man mark, on reddit have you ever seen sorry to interrupt you bobby but right. uh mark have you ever seen on facebook any videos of like cops uh hooping with oh, there uh, it some is. local black was going exactly where i was going oh okay. yeah i mean that I is think a prime example of propaganda. whenever whenever there's a news story the reddit always talk whenever there's a reddit you see a headline on reddit about the cops whooping some poor minority's ass yeah, or something some video to get there, there'll, there'll be another there'll be another video where a cop bought groceries for you know some old lady who called the police because she was hungry or something that's what that's the logic is it's like that anytime there's negative press there's a concerted effort to make positive press about the police right so that's uh look man um everybody's recording everything everybody's recording everything and uh you're you're getting some wonderful shots of police intentionally running into people and claiming police brutality you're getting the police of Sacramento doing a jumping Liu Kang kick to uh, the back of a guy with his hands up. You got the police in Atlanta. <laughs> I laugh, but... Police in Atlanta killing that guy who was uh, in his car unarmed in Atlanta, or he was in Atlanta. He was at the drive-thru place. That, and a... I don't know the full story for that one, but I, I've read read reports that like did did he take one of the cops' taser and then try running away? I don't. Um, I don't remember exactly. Oh, look. He had no weapon, and then they shot him at the end of it. He yes. died from homicide, and he got shot in the back. He so was, he was running away when um, when they shot him in the back, yes. Yeah. By the way, um, reading today, the uh, NFL commissioner is encouraging teams to sign Kaepernick. Man, uh, we all remember the last three years. I really hope that Kaepernick got a good payout because... Uh, that's it. Ten? I mean, it, in, it, it, I think in hindsight, like, I think there's a good chance he'll be, I mean, I think he already is kind of like a cultural hero. Because I think when all of this kind of, I mean, however, it, wherever we end up on the other side of this, I think history books will look at like this athlete tried. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of people have tried to, to put this, but he was out there really trying to to make it a message and he got nothing but shit from so He's... I mean not from everybody but from so many people and then all this you know years after the fact is like dude like <laughs> they're trying to tell everybody this and dude we I, had this we had this argument in my in my house most argument it's me and my little brother everything turns into a loud discussion where we were talking about how LeBron James um with the China stuff really looked not great um a lot of people didn't but LeBron James was always trying to portray himself you know as being socially conscious and all those things. And it really seemed like when it came time for China, when it really came time for like, this might affect your pocketbook, LeBron didn't necessarily make the right choices. And I said, this guy wanted to be Muhammad Ali. He's not Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali gave up everything. He was willing to give up everything for his beliefs. He was willing to go to jail for his beliefs. Um, the greater comparison for Muhammad Ali, and I know it's not on the same level, guys. Let's everybody calm down who's listening to this. Is Colin Kaepernick. Man literally gave it all up. And maybe you're going to say, oh, he wasn't that good of a quarterback, blah, 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 blah. 
Tell me how many bad quarterbacks are starting in the NFL and get 15 chances before you open your mouth again. All right? He gave it all up. All right? I mean, Mike, he gave it all up. He gave yeah. it all up for the cause. Right or wrong, he, he you know, gave it all up. Um, I think uh, I think a very apt comparison to Colin Kaepernick is uh, I think it was the '72 Olympics. Um, those two track and field athletes who won the gold. Tommy, Tommy and Smith and uh, Jean Juan Carlos, something like that. John, I something like that. John Carlos, maybe just. I think it? it was John Carlos. Yeah, that they won the the gold and the bronze, and uh, they are the ones from the iconic uh, picture. Where they have the uh, the black the black power fist up, they they were basically blackballed and banned from ever participating or representing the United States in track and field after those Olympics. Yeah, that's giving up everything. And look, man, I mean, I'm not a guy who just shits on LeBron. LeBron's done, LeBron's done a lot of good things for a lot of people. Um, he just, you know, with the China stuff, misspoke or not misspoke. Show that he's not really willing to go as far as he was. You see people's true colors. I mean, it's not, it, it's not, it's, I mean, not it's, everybody. And it's not all black and white. Like, there's certain issues where he's better on than others. Fucking Michael Jordan didn't do, anything, didn't do anything for anybody for the longest time. Wouldn't say shit because Republicans buy sneakers too. His logic was always, he says, I'm not in a position. He says, I don't know enough about any of these things to give my opinion like this. That's one way of looking at things. But Kaepernick, man, I don't know how we went down this rabbit hole, but whatever. Kaepernick, man, really... I mean, I love Colin Kaepernick. I liked him when he was playing for us. I think the world of him now and the NFL commissioner can kiss my ass. Um, it's real easy to try to do the right thing now. You know what? It's hard to do the right thing when it, you actually have to give something up. And also, you should just watch a documentary about NFL and concussions and realize this motherfucker had a hand in all that stuff, too. Anyway, Mike, you got anything positive? Because I've just took stuff we like into a weird negative place. <laughs> I do not have anything positive because um, the stuff I like this week is not really anything I like. It's people I hate. All right. Um, this is a salty ass podcast. <laughs> you know, sometimes you love to hate. <laughs> I, I am in New York City, the epicenter of a corona outbreak i know you guys uh, haven't had it nearly as bad as uh as we have but you guys have had to quarantine a fair amount a lot just like we have over here so much like you guys and much like the millions of people that live here in new york state in new york city i've been spending the last three months at this point basically being inside when i go outside wearing shitty masks you know breathing in my own hot-ass breath, um, not going and being able to see, you know, friends and family and generally being able to live a life. Um, and now that we're starting to get a few of our little liberties back, you know, some of the stores are opening and, you know, you can go out and do little things. Um, people are taking that inch and taking a fucking mile. Um, I didn't send it to you, Mark, on uh, on Friday. I sent it to Bobby, but I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's gotten over to you guys in uh, in your news. Where here in New York City, um, it seems every street corner, if there's a bar and they're serving like to go drinks on Friday and Saturday and and Thursday to to a fair amount as well. Last weekend and the weekend before. A bunch of idiots just congregating outside, 
about at least 30 deep, all within close proximity to each other, none of them with face masks on, just having a grand old time, right? I didn't spend the last three months living like a goddamn hermit in my room so that there can be a spike because you're being an idiot. Sorry, I don't have anything I like this week. I think that'll like, uh, well, new new season of 13 Reasons Why is back. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it's awesome. Yeah, the show about suicide is a thing Mike likes. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it gives him hope. It gives him hope in these days. It's like, well, it, has, it, has, it hasn't been about suicide since uh, season one. Um, the last few seasons have been about um, a guy raping another dude, a potential school shooting, and a murder. Yeah, man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Reality's rough enough. Um, yeah, those clips, man. Guys, wear a fucking mask. It's not that hard. Get it. Cover your face with a t-shirt when I walk by. How about that? Make an effort. A little bit of an effort. A little bit. Not a lot. It's a little bit. Um, I'm just gonna leave you guys with this. With actual happy news. I have a sourdough starter. His name is Carl. He is one day old. I got to feed Carl at the end of this podcast. <laughs> and he feeds you. <laughs> and one day he will. One day he will. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Um, really appreciate it. We'll be back next week uh, to talk about, I think, Hooker versus Poirier. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, sounds like a good time. Um, we're going to see if any of these, uh, you know what? I was going to say we're going to see if any of these fighters sign up, sign, decide to sign up for fights, but you know what? We'll just wait until the fights happen. That's how we'll see if anybody's going to show up. Um, until then, I was Dr. Law, that was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms. See y'all next week, and peace out. See ya.